Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia Nessie, and this is Bruce Clay's weekly digital marketing podcast. Today on the show, we've got SEO manager Rob Ramirez, director of training Mindy Weinstein, senior technical writer Paula Allen, and content specialist and community manager Christy Kellogg, all familiar faces on the show. Thanks, guys, for being here. So among SEO folks, there are, are a couple questions that come up over and over again, and one of them is link building. Is it black hat? And this has been spurred again recently because of a statement from Google Portugal, which initially was just like, don't ask for link, don't build links. Yeah, it's it said, do not buy, sell, exchange, or ask for links, period. And when it was translated into English and Search Engine Land published an article about it, the SEO community sort of went gaga because, oh my gosh, what is Google doing now? Are they going to start penalizing us if they think we're just asking for links? Right. And the language, initial language, was scary. Um Link asking for links, link begging, as as they kind of call it, is something that's been around forever, obviously. And really, it's about building relationships, right? You are uh, reaching out to people that are relevant to your niche, interested in what you have to say. Hopefully, you've built some kind of collateral on your website that's useful, that is link-worthy, and are just informing them about its existence. And there shouldn't be really anything wrong with that. You know, Matt Cutts a long time ago said... Um, that all of your links should be surprises. It should never be a targeted kind of outreach, a targeted process to try to acquire links. And I think that that's the general vein that Google would like to stick to. Um, They really do not feel that link building, and certainly not as a scalable solution, is ever okay. However, Google did backtrack and revise that statement on the Google Portugal Webmaster blog to add the phrase, uh, do not ask for links that may violate our linking webmaster guidelines. That's a better, definitely a better way to word it. And, you know, I mean, I've been in SEO for a very long time, and I remember when I first got started and link building was explained to me, um, actually learned about link building from a very experienced person in the industry, and that's all he did at the time, but he explained it as, you know what, it, and it's what you just said, Rob, he explained it as, you know what, it's really public relations in a way, if you think of it that way, because you build a website, your website has to have content that's interesting to people, it has to be relevant to people, you know, you create things like, you know, guides or books on your website that are for free or tools or different things that would interest people and, and naturally get them to want to share what you have to offer. Then you let people know about it. And so when I heard that explanation, you know, when you put it in the, the public relations viewpoint, I mean, that's link earning, which is what we use instead of link building. I just got done with a week of training, and that's always how we refer to it as, you know, it's link earning. You want to earn mm-hmm. those links. And you don't want to go out there and just try to solicit 
webmasters and just do it generically because you want to get those links. You really do have to be worthy of it. But I don't think there's anything wrong with letting people know about what you have to offer. And that can even come more not just in the form of emails, but social media is a great way to let people know what you have to offer on your site. You know, that's, you can get links, but it would be the aftermath of sharing it on social media. But there's a lot to it, and I think sharing, yeah, sharing what you have isn't necessarily a bad thing. This last week, we got to host SEO Chat, which is a weekly Twitter chat about SEO topics. And um, Christy was a big uh, leader in that effort um, as a community manager. What was the topic of the chat this week, Christy? It was link building in the penguin age. There are a lot of really surprising um, things that were said, at least to me, and I felt like even though we've had this di- topic of discussion over and over, I still like to what some of the top SEO minds have to say about it and kind of like freshen my perspective. I feel like one of the most interesting things that came up was when we asked if um, SEOs recommended submitting a site, uh, a disavow file, and some of them thought it was a bad idea. And one of them named Tony Randall said, call me crazy, but I wouldn't walk up to a cop and say, hey, someone left these drugs in my pocket. (laughs) So that was a very interesting (laughs) perspective on disavow files, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, It's Google's gone on record. That as saying that no human being reviews those disavow files if there's no manual action involved. So theoretically, if you are submitting a disavow and you don't have a manual action against your site, uh, you are just applying a no-follow to those links, uh, reverse no-follow, I guess you would call it, right? As Google goes out and crawls those links naturally, it sees that you have them in your disavow file. It's going to attach a no-follow to them. It'll stop passing page rank from the link because you aren't vouching for it is essentially what you're telling Google. So in the SEO community, certainly there's a lot of speculation and a lot of people do not trust disavow files. They think it's a way for Google basically to have an analyst or a technician review your site. Uh, They think it puts you on their radar. They think that uh, Google is using this data and pooling it and using it to identify link farms and those types of things. I don't necessarily disagree that Google is using the data, but I think it doesn't go to technicians who individually review uh, link profiles or individual links or look at your website because you submitted a disavow. It probably goes to the people that write the algorithm that is used to identify inorganic linking. And if you have a collection of links that because everyone is disavowing them is kind of telling Google like these are bad links or links that are being generated without the uh, say-so or the approval of the sites that they're linking to, then maybe Google cooks into their algorithm a way to identify that particular site. Um, because, again, Google is never interested in doing individual tweaks to their, to their list, to their results, right? You know, they're not going to go in and change the first page of results manually in most instances. They're not going to manually tweak one particular keyword phrase, one particular ranking signal. They're much more interested in creating an algorithm that serves the SERPs better across the board because they do with so many searches. Well, you know, we recently launched a tool to help give webmasters more insight into what sites were showing up on disavow files that were going to Google. And this is just a free crowdsource tool. You've probably heard us talk about it. 
But we have some stats today just to bring you up to date. Since the launch in early June, we've had over 200 disavow files uploaded. Um, we've had almost 500 verified websites and over 1,200 signups. So the crowdsource concept is working. And we just, you know, the, the more people that sign up at disavowfiles.com, the better because we get more of that data and then anonymize it and share it with webmasters. Um, one of the cool features that um, that tool can do is alert you, for instance, if uh, anybody disavows a page on your own site. And some webmasters want to know that information, like you were saying, Rob, they, they want to be informed if somebody is calling them uh, low quality or sure. non-trustworthy or whatever, they would like to know. Absolutely, yeah. You can take a hard look at what you're doing and why am I being pegged into that, uh, painted into that corner, you know? There's something about my website that people aren't liking. Um, why are you linking out to enough people where you would be disavowed is the first part, right? Unless you're a directory. But also, uh, are people including your directory or your site on their disavow files? It's definitely a, a it's good data to have, right? The more information you can have, the better you can uh, use it to, to make decisions and uh, kind of guide uh, your SEO projects. So, uh, we feel more data is good data, so we definitely would encourage people to sign up at disavowfiles.com uh, and take advantage of the data we have gathered and add to it. Although we should probably clarify that Google says, you know, if your site shows up on a disavow file, there's no negative repercussion to you. Right. Right. And uh, no one is reviewing it. That's the other part that they kind of go out of their way to say. If there's no manual action attached, then uh, the, the, the data isn't being reviewed and, reviewed and used against you. Um, you'll hear stories, though. They're all over the Internet. And it used to happen, I guess, more often than not, where someone would reach out to a Google technician or post in the Google product forums about a website, uh, and it gets reviewed by a technician as a result and ends up with a manual action. Um, so, you know, that's kind of uh, SEO's worst nightmare, putting yourself on Google's radar if you have uh, a bad backlink history and these types of things. But hopefully if you're painting within the lines, uh, you don't really have to worry about that type of thing. If you're curious about some of the data we've amassed so far, we can share the top five disavowed sites, and those are prlog.ru, askives.com, topalternate.com, m.biz, and theglobe.org. So if you guys are listening, you better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to mention that this idea of um, asking for links being a bad thing isn't necessarily, um, that doesn't really fit. When one of the recent articles that I read was by Ann Smarty and Jim Boykin, and it was kind of about you know safe link building today, and um, the question of link reclamation. So if there's a broken link to your site or maybe a mention that it isn't a link, that seems to me like a deserving place to say this, a link to my site might be helpful to your readers. Um, it's an ask. It's not, it doesn't seem like a beg to me. It is just a responsible marketing action. Sure, sure. Yeah, and you know, another, that's definitely broken links, repairing them, reaching out to folks that have broken links on their website. It's kind of like befriending them in a way. Um, you know, building assets uh, that uh, update data 
Um, and when people are pointing to stuff that is outdated, if you've put up something that is up to date and then letting them know about it is another way that people go about trying to acquire links. I mean, make no mistake about it, and I say this often, uh, links post-Penguin are actually more valuable and more important than ever. Uh, a really good link, an organic link, one that was uh, earned properly in the right way, that is, uh, that's more valuable than ever following Penguin. I mean, if anything, Google's just made those things uh, more valuable for us. I just want to say there's really a wealth of um, articles out there that have just come out in the last two or three weeks. And so what we did is just today on our blog, we've published a, a very lengthy article quoting all kinds of people from the Moz blog to Neil Patel to John Mueller on the subject of link building and disavows. So check that out. You'll find tons of links and great quotes for really the latest wisdom on this whole subject. So it's time to take a quick break. We've been thinking about the events unfolding with the right to be forgotten in Europe and now Russia and the consumer groups pushing for it in the U.S. We'll take a look at the implications of right to be forgotten for Google and the search marketing community when we return with more SEM Synergy. Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. 
search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEM Synergy. I'm Mindy Weinstein, and there is an international political debate going on right now in Europe, Russia, and the United States about a legislation called the right to be forgotten. So you might have heard of it already, but there's some new developments. So here's just to sum up the latest news. In Russia, the Russian president signed into law a right-to-be-forgotten bill that's broader than what's already in Europe. And Russia's law puts the responsibility on search engines to find all the links where a removal request applies. And Yandex is actually the dominant search engine in Russia. And they have come out and protested this proposed bill. And there's definitely reasons why. I mean, it's going to put a lot of responsibility on them. And according to the bill, they give search engines 10 days to comply with the right-to-be-forgotten request. And Russia's bill will go into effect January 1st, 2016. So that's actually not too far away. Now, here's the other deal. There is a U.S.-based consumer protection group called Consumer Watchdog, and they've petitioned the FCC to enact a right-to-be-forgotten law that's similar to what's already out there, but in the U.S. So according to this petition, the right-to-be-forgotten could work because Google's already doing it in Europe. So there's a lot of debate going on about this, and really it just brings to light a question. You know, what do you think about the right to be forgotten and the implications it has to our freedom and our access to reliable information? Now, I know I definitely have an opinion on it, but um, I wanted to open it up to the group here at Room Spot. Well, <laughs> um, it really is a difference between how Europe and uh, how America kind of views this topic, right? Europe clearly put more, they consider right to be forgotten a human right, basically, is what it comes down to. Uh, and, and the U.S. hasn't framed it in that light. Um, you know, Europe also um, is clearly putting more uh, emphasis and more uh, of the onus on the search engine to properly uh, adhere to these types of requests. I mean, uh, they, they really do put a lot of pressure on Google and Yandex. I mean, the, the Russia statute is, is a little out of control. I mean, they're really going overboard when it comes to that type of thing in typical Russia fashion. But, you know, in, in Europe and in, in more uh, middle-of-the-road countries, uh, in Europe especially, there is still a definite feeling that right to be forgotten is a human right. Um, things that people have done in their past that they are no longer doing um, are not the right of everyone to know about. And in the U.S., the the Supreme Court and all of our laws um, always side on the on the on the side of transparency, you know, and free speech and the First Amendment and uh, right to know about someone's past in history if it's true has usually trumped. Uh, any kind of expectation of having a human right that uh, applies to, you know, I, I don't want this uh, stuff uh, of my past to kind of follow me around for the rest of my life. Right. So here's something interesting, and I want to make sure and point this out to everyone listening. And um, as Rob mentioned and I mentioned to you, I mean, the Russian version is definitely more stringent than the European version. So in Russia, they are extending the right to be forgotten to public figures and information that's considered in public interest. So in Europe, public figures are not included in the right to be forgotten 
that to me is a little bit alarming. <laughs> you know, I, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the way Russia's going about it, to me, I mean, that information should be available to the public. And erasing that kind of thing, again, like I said, that's a little bit alarming. I have mixed feelings about the right to be forgotten law and what that could look like in the U.S. I think in theory, I like, I like the theory and the concept behind it, especially as I look at the younger generations as they get older. I mean, they're the always connected generation. I mean, you have kids who've grown up online posting pictures. They're in junior high and high school and posting all sorts of things. So I can see how later on in life it would be nice to be able to, you know, have some things maybe not out there for everyone to see. Yet I, and I'm saying this because I don't have an answer for it, I don't see how we would be able to do it in the U.S. It would be tricky. I guess I'd say it that way. It's going to be tricky because it basically then relies on the search engines to determine what's truthful, what's accurate, what should still be out there, what should be hidden. And that's also an unnerving thought, too. I want to just back up one second, Mindy, something you said about the Russian law. The way that it was signed into law was actually not including public uh, okay, figures. good, good. Um, okay, original, that's what I originally read, and then that was a little yeah, frightening. No, it, <laughs> it seems like uh, most of the press in the U.S. stopped at the proposed bill and didn't continue mm-hmm. until the final version of the law that got signed last week. Um, well, that, could, that makes me yeah. feel a little, lightly, like a little bit better. <laughs> so this is what the Kremlin Press Service actually said, that under the new federal law, search engine operators must, on request, delete the links to pages that allow access to the internet information about private persons if spreading such information violates Russian laws, if it is is false, or it has become outdated due to subsequent events or actions. So they did scale it down. They also gave search engines 10 days to comply. The original proposed number of days was three, which is ridiculous. And um, so it's better. That's not to say that it's it's the right thing to do, that it isn't a form of censorship, and I think that's the bottom line. Right, and and the so the question is in the U.S. especially, and really the the question that's at the heart of this is Google responsible for the content that it points to? Mm-hmm. Are they required in some way to be the arbitrators of someone else's website? And the type of information that they're putting on it, whether it's truthful or not. And Google's stance has been very clearly no. If you try and get something taken down off of uh, off of Google, their, their first answer is always no. It is go to the website and have them take it down. All we do is index things. All we do is crawl. So what becomes the question then, what about things like revenge porn, right? What about things like personal data that, uh, you know, people are very interested in preserving their privacy, or at least a lot of people are. So when those types of things find their way onto websites that are out there, uh, what's Google's responsibility to either index it, include it in their index, make it so easily searchable? That's a big problem, right? I mean, that's, that's part of what this whole issue comes from is that Google's made it so much easier to do research on people, right? And you just put in their name and a little bit of information about their, their previous employment history or where they've lived, and usually you can get it drilled down to a, a select set of, of websites that are really about that individual, and you can snoop. I mean, that's what people do, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, w- what about when that goes a little too far, right? Well, there is good news, Rob, because just this month, Google proactively put out a request form that if you've been the victim of revenge porn, right. you know, like 
an ex-lover posted naked pictures of you without your consent, that kind of thing. Um, Google will comply with that. They'll right. take it down. And that is a brand new thing. So I think Google is trying to show, hey, we're trying to be a, a right. team player here. Don't, yeah, don't legislate think, us in right, the U.S. Yeah. I think that's what it is. They're finding the worst examples, right? And they, they, they put out an algorithm, I for, it must have been a couple of years ago, where uh, sites were getting indexed that had mugshots. Uh, and Google was returning those near the top of results for people's names, and it was really mm-hmm. uh, damaging people. And they tweaked their algorithm to actually account for that. And those uh, those sites uh, weren't indexed any longer, so their business model dried up. They weren't making money on advertising anymore, and they went away. So really, though, are we going to get into the habit of, of looking at every single instance? And do we have the bandwidth? Does Google have the bandwidth to do that? I mean, Ashley Madison, right? The, the, the website online just had a bunch of its data compromised, and the hackers have threatened to put it up online uh, if Ashley Madison doesn't come down as a site. So when they put that up, and it's on an indexable website, and it's there for everyone to to see and indexed by Google, is that okay? Is that right? You know, that was private information that was compromised and essentially stolen. So is, is that okay to have indexed and have out there for all to kind of uh, consider and use? I mean, it's complex questions here. It's probably um, like the natural evolution of the extreme being put up on, you know, up for discussion so that we can have things like a a process by which we can report things that we want removed, potentially. Sure. And and, and what is it, though? Do we get to pick and choose what gets removed? Or is right to be forgotten your entire uh, identity online? And what about if I'm looking for a job? What about my LinkedIn profile? What about, you know, all the things that I do want to have out there? And that's really what it comes down to, right? We, we're all okay with our reputation online until it has something very bad on it. And then it becomes an issue where, you know, a lot of people go through a lot of trouble and spend a lot of money. There's a whole industry about reputation management uh, to try and uh, correct these issues or, or get things removed off of the Internet. And Google's kind of gone on record. We're not going to remove anything from our search results. Go deal with the person that published it and get them to remove it at the source. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't, I mean, and I can see that it's not realistic for the search engines to be the watchdogs out there, to be the ones who are, again, trying to decide what's truthful and what's not truthful. And, you know, the other thing, too, with what we're talking about, I mean, having that type of law here, I mean, there is the potential of hiding pertinent information. I mean, right. if we're able to do that and, and choose what we want to be out there and what we don't want to be out there, you know, what? It, okay, going with the whole thing, you're looking for a job, you know, you're applying for a job. A lot of employers do search online. And, you know, I mean, I understand that you don't want everything out there for them to see. could have been from years ago. You were younger in the party thing, whatever it might be. You don't want a potential employer to see that. But at the same time, from an employer perspective, I mean, you do want to do a little bit of research on someone. And so knowing that some information is hidden and some's not, you know, that's where I could see the potential problem, too, with the right to be forgotten. There's really an uproar, though, in the SEO community in particular against this sort of legislation. Mm-hmm. People don't want any sort of encroachment on the freedom of access. Right, and it is that intersection of free speech, First Amendment, transparency, 
above all, but what about my right to privacy as well? So it's like two of the major tenets of everything that we hold dear as Americans kind of at play here. I I think this is going to end up on the Supreme Court steps eventually. It just takes the right case to get litigated for it to finally be ruled on. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens. I feel like as a person, you're responsible for what shows up for your name. Like you have all the power to like own tons of profiles you can make your own website you can populate like the page one of the results and there might be like some extenuating circumstances where someone like says something horrible that's not true and it ranks or whatever and that sucks but like you have so much power to like own that page one and like this notion of privacy like I have tons of stuff online but there is no way anyone could ever find my phone number or my address like it would be impossible and I make sure that it's impossible so I feel like your privacy really doesn't have to be encroached on unless you go out and put like hey I live at this address so I feel like people should be proactive maybe although you are savvy in internet (laughs) marketing is the average person equally qualified? Then let's all take the responsibility to educate ourselves. <laughs> and read the Bruce Clay blog. That's a great idea. <laughs> That's true. This, is, this topic and others are covered in this month's SEO newsletter, which you can get at bruceclay.com slash newsletter. There's a fresh new one up there. It includes Right to be Forgotten as well as Link Building and um, Webmaster Search Console, a, a, a frequently asked questions piece. Um, thank you for listening to today's show and thanks to Webmaster Radio and if you haven't already we invite you to review the podcast on iTunes go to semsynergy.com slash iTunes and tell us what you thought of today's show have a great week and see you next time on SEM Synergy This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.